Welcome to the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar's People's Parish, where we pronounce His power, pursue His purpose, and proclaim His praise. Enjoy this preaching. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you, O oh God, for your people. I thank you, Lord, for those that are here. I thank you for those that are watching online. I pray, O oh God, that even as we go into this topic that is not very common, uh, this topic that oftentimes is taboo and has so much stigma attached to it, Father God, I pray that you will just reveal yourself, reveal your heart even in this topic in Jesus' name. I pray, O oh God, that the information that will be coming out, the questions that will be answered, that God, it will minister to your people and it will heal their minds and their hearts in Jesus mighty name. Amen. All right, we're going to have fun today. Um, I ask that we please participate. If I ask a question, please don't leave me hanging. Shoot up your hand. Try to answer it to the best of your abilities. Um, my apologies to those at home. We're not able to be as interactive with you, but you can also shoot in your questions with that number the pastor had uh, given, 1306-900-4950, and we'll be happy to take those uh, after this presentation. So, uh, could I get the slides up, please? So, what do we think about, many of us when we're here, what do we think about when someone says mental health or mental wellness? Anyone? Okay. So, for most of us, uh, next slide. For most of us, this is what we think of. When someone talks about mental health or someone talks about mental wellness, we think of, you know, the man who has lost his senses, doesn't know how to dress, uh, is walking the streets, oftentimes doesn't know who he is, doesn't know who family is anymore, or the woman who is wearing uh, lots of jewelry around her neck, um, ill-dressed, ill-mannered. This is what I'm sure most of us think of, either from our upbringing, things we've seen on TV or in the media. But I dare say these are extremes. Mental health, mental wellness, anything to do with our mentality is on a spectrum. So you have the mild, you have the in-between, you have the extremes. And these, of course, are extremes. The conversation about mental wellness, mental illness, is becoming more prevalent in our society. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's, it's good for us to know about these things. Approximately one in five adults in the U.S. Uh, experiences mental illness in a given year. And that information is from the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Mental illness, while not easily defined, it can range from many things that make it difficult for uh, people to live their lives. It can make it very stressful for some, and for some it can make it borderline impossible for them to function. Next slide. So I'm going to just uh, bring it home for us. Um, take the pictures you've just seen, take them out of your mind. I'm going to bring mental wellness, mental illness, that entire topic and the umbrella. I'm going to bring it home for us a little bit with some of these cases, and these are not any particular person, these are not based on any of my patients, these are just cases that I put together from my experience uh, growing up, stories I've heard, families, friends, things of that nature. Uh, so, Bala is a 45-year-old man. Uh, he complains of feeling stressed all the time. He's constantly worried uh, about everything and anything. His job is very demanding, and he feels undervalued. He describes yelling and screaming at his wife and children at home. In fact, the children have now started hiding in their rooms whenever daddy comes home. Things have become worse um, in the last two months since he heard that his mother back home has become unwell. He has difficulties concentrating at work and has been unable to sleep well at night. His heart is always racing when he gets to work and he starts sweating whenever his supervisor asks him to come to the office, always thinking he's going to get fired. So what are we thinking is happening with Bola? Anyone have any ideas what we think is going on here? I heard someone say something. 
anxiety. Thank you. This is anxiety. A lot of us will look at this and be like, oh, that's not a big deal. That's just, I mean, for me growing up, this was the typical so-called Nigerian dad who was stressed at work and comes home and, you know, lie. And you're like, okay, I'll just go in my room kind of thing. Um, uncles, you know, that I've, that I've also seen like growing, this, this is anxiety. Um, and there are many things that can lead to anxiety, and like we've heard here during our um, uh, Bible study session, um, a lot of times it's thoughts, negative thoughts that we dwell on and think on over and over and over again can cause us to be anxious. And another important thing to think about is that anxiety can actually come out as anger, especially when we don't know what's going on, we're just not really understanding, we have all this tension in our bodies, and we kind of lash out at times and become irritable. And... Uh, Next slide. Fumi is a 15-year-old teen. Uh, she recently immigrated to Canada um, and started high school. It has been eight months, and she has no friends. Uh, she's often made fun of um, for her weird clothes, and uh, she's often teased for smelling funny. Uh, other kids make fun of her African accent, and they mimic her when she tries to answer questions in class. She has started eating lunch alone in one of the girls' bathroom stalls and cries. She no longer raises her hands to answer questions even when she knows the answer. At home, her parents, her parents complain that she's always moody and no longer smiles like she used to. She has given up um, her usual activities and all she does is stay in her room and play on the computer. Okay. So I should just put my name on this, as I think this was me <laughs> when I moved to Canada. I don't know if Dr. Pirawal has had the same experience or something similar. But it can be tough, um, especially for young, for young children. And I don't know, maybe Dr. Shoyemi's kids are maybe experiencing some of these things as well. Um, so what, what do we think is happening with Fumi? Yes, man, smart crowd, okay. Yes, these are symptoms of depression. Uh, low self-esteem, crying all the time, uh, giving up your usual activities, no longer having interest in things that you normally loved to do. This is a case of depression. My next case um, is Halima. Halima is 27 years old, uh, and she has been married for three months but instead of the joyous, blushing bride, Halima cries often. Even though she loves her husband very much, she has refused to sleep in the same room with him, and he doesn't understand why. Now, what Halima hasn't told her husband is that she was brutally raped by her uncle at the age of 14. Very sad. Even though it was, um, it was a long time ago, and she thought she had forgotten about it, she has started having memories of the event while she's awake, and terrible nightmares at night. She has difficulty sleeping and is always afraid and anxious when she's around men. What do we think is happening to Alima? Oh, wow. We are so progressive and exposed and so brilliant. This is PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And thank you, Brother IT, for, for pointing that out. Um, and PTSD often occurs when there has been a trauma in someone's life, trauma in someone's past. At times, people you know, try to forget about it. They move on with life. But something can happen anytime to trigger it. And the memories come back. They find it very distressing. They don't understand why, because they thought they dealt with it. But things in their current situation brings back those past memories and can cause significant fear and anxiety and cause a lot of difficulties in our lives. I mean, imagine a new bride who doesn't want anything to do with her husband. Um, that's, that can be very, uh, very disturbing. And my last case is Brother Emeka. He's 55 years old. Um, sadly, his young wife recently left him for another man. Um, and uh, they have no children due to infertility on his part. Um, he recently moved to Germany to take up a job offer and to get away from it all. But instead, he finds himself alone um, and isolated in a new country. After six months, he's still struggling to make friends and struggles with the language and the culture. He finds it hard to make any meaningful connections, even at an English-speaking church. His job is going quite well, though. His parents are deceased. He has no brothers, no sisters. He's an only child. 
Emeka recently told his co-worker, I just want to end it all. Yes, this is suicidal ideation. And uh, believe it or not, though, people don't talk about these things uh, very often. These are things that uh, a lot of people struggle with. And I dare say a lot of people in the body of Christ, a lot of people in the church, do struggle with some of these thoughts um, once in a while, <clears throat> depending on what may be happening um, in our lives. So I'm glad we were able to go through some of those cases. Uh, and as you see, they're different from the initial picture that I showed you. Um, and again, it just emphasizing that uh, mental health or mental illness is on a spectrum. So I want to go and talk about stress very quickly, okay? Stress is a normal part of life, all right? You are going to work, your car breaks down, you're late for work, you know your boss can be mean sometimes, your heart is racing, you're so scared, you're sweating, okay, what am I going to do? How will I fix this car? I don't even know if I have enough money to fix it. My boss is gonna get mad at me. That is a typical stress. And that's something that I'm sure has happened to, to many of us. So stress is a normal um, response to situational pressures and to demands that we have in life, right? Now what um, causes emotional distress, what causes emotional and um, mental unwellness is chronic stress, okay? When stress becomes something that is every single day, that you're worried every single day about one thing or the other, um, you start feeling sad, um, you start feeling hopeless, those are the things that then lead to uh, emotional unwellness. And some of the um, uh, mental illnesses that we often deal with um, uh, on a day-to-day -day are anxiety, depression, um, and uh, there are some others. So anxiety, like we saw in the case, is a feeling of being just very nervous. You're always on edge, unable to stop worrying, trouble relaxing, just not being able to just sit down and stay calm, uh, difficulty sitting still, like I said, being annoyed and irritable, right? We mentioned that anxiety can, can turn out and look like anger, someone who's just always angry. Um, trouble sleeping, sweating, uh, and uh, some people can have panic attacks as well. And I don't know if any of us have heard of panic attacks. Yes? Can anyone describe it? Yes, please go ahead. Yeah. Yes, that's excellent. Thank you so much. So what she said for those at home, it's a feeling of being completely overwhelmed where you just can't take it anymore. And sometimes people are so tense and so afraid and so fearful that they pass out. Some of my patients describe it as the sense of impending doom, like everything is going to end or some people feel like they're dying in that moment because you can see your heart is racing, you can't breathe properly. Some people cry uncontrollably and that really does describe very well um, a panic attack. Thank you. Um, depression is a feeling of low mood, um, feeling sad all the time. Uh, you have sleep problems, uh, loss, lose interest in your activities, you lose your appetite, you lose concentration. Some people cry a lot, um, you wanting to stay in bed, not wanting to get out, you turn off your phone, you don't want to talk to your friends. These are all signs, uh, these are all symptoms of, of depression. Other things can happen when we're under stress and we're under great pressure. People deal with headaches and, you know, these are, these are bodily signs and symptoms of, of, a, of stress or a, a stressful state. Headaches, dizziness, joint pains uh, and aches, muscle pains and aches, uh, pressure in the head, ringing in the ears, these things can happen as well. The heat sensation uh, can also take place. Other things are poor anger control, violence. Some people turn to drug and alcohol when they can no longer handle these things that they're feeling internally um, uh, to cope. So next, I just want to go through science of it all, and I promise this is the only science that we'll talk about today. Um, the, the physiology or the science of stress. So if you see here, I'll just step out to the side, my pointer. So this is, uh, these are the kidneys. Okay. And on top of the kidneys, you have the adrenal glands. These are just glands that are sitting 
on top of your kidneys. Now, a lot of us never get to see our insides, but this is, I promise you, this is what your inside looks like. Uh, <laughs> so we have kidneys right here and the adrenal glands. Now, there's a chemical that's secreted by these glands and it's called adrenaline. Has anyone heard of adrenaline? Yes. So adrenaline is that power hormone. Sometimes um, people describe it when uh, mothers, especially if their baby is in trouble, there's this surge of adrenaline that goes through their body and they just sw you know, swoop into action. Uh, one of our sisters in the church gave a testimony about falling down the stairs with the baby in her hands. I guarantee you she had a surge of adrenaline in her system trying to protect the baby. So adrenaline is a stress hormone and it's released in these glands. It travels in the blood system, in the bloodstream, and eventually goes to the brain and it goes to some of our other organs as well. And when you have adrenaline in your system, especially a high state of, um, a high level of adrenaline, it can then cause decreases in, in your uh, digestion. Uh, some people will say they have cramps in their stomach. Some people actually run to the bathroom, they have diarrhea, um, increased blood pressure, sweating, things of that nature. So that's what happens there. Uh, I'll just get the slide again, if that's okay. In the brain, <clears throat> um, we have something called the limbic system, okay? Now, the limbic system is the seat of emotion. So, you know, people who get really, really anxious, there are probably something is going on in the limbic system. And um, the neurotransmitters that are created in the brain often have action um, on that system. And the ones that are important to know are dopamine. There's a quiz at the end of this, by the way. I don't know if I told you that. Yes, she's excited. And there are prizes too, yes. <laughs> so pay attention and you'll be asked questions from here. So dopamine, um, epinephrine, and norepinephrine, and serotonin as well um, are, are neurotransmitters that act on the brain. Now depending on if they're too high or too low, it can cause some of these uh, problems that um, we're talking about. Okay, and again, just to go through it, uh, the, the uh, common mental health disorders, depression, uh, anxiety, we talked about post-traumatic stress disorder, psychosis is the umbrella that we find schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorders, um, and of course we have bipolar as well, and this illness, uh, oftentimes it, it goes from one pole to the other, people who are very excited and euphoric and overly happy. Um, some of them can be psychotic too, and then they have periods of severe depression as well, and that kind of um, um, describes what bipolar is. There are many others that exist, including childhood developmental disorders like ADHD. Dr. Shami, I'm sure, deals with that a lot. Um, autism as well. We have personality disorders, uh, substance abuse disorders, uh, and neurodegenerative disorder. These are for old people that I see, like dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. So I'll just talk very quickly about mental health and COVID-19. Um, we have new realities now in our, in our environment, in our society. Uh, temporary unemployment for some people is actually becoming extended now. Temporary would be like maybe three to six months, but now we're almost a year into this pandemic. Um, you know, lack of physical contact, even in the church environment, we're not able to gather like we used to. There, you know, everyone is sitting apart, we're wearing a mask. All those things can be very, very stressful. And even the anxiety of, oh my God, am I going to get this um, illness or not, um, right? And I mean, if we contracted COVID-19 like uh, President Trump, we will definitely not get the treatment he did, right? So, so you know, there's a fear that's surrounding this pandemic. And there's so many things that's related to it that, um, that is very stressful and stress-provoking for a lot of people. Some things that we can do is to keep ourselves informed, right? To deal with it. Not too informed that you're uh, consuming so much news all the time. Just all you need is the app. It shows you, you know, where the hotspots are and you tell yourself, I'm not going there. Those, that's all you need to know, right? So keep yourself informed um, and also have a routine. A lot of people are still getting up at the same time when they used to leave the house to work. They get up at the same time. Some people still get dressed uh, for work. My husband was doing that in the beginning, then he gave up. <laughs> so still get dressed and, you know, 
just like you would every normal day, just to put yourself in a routine. Uh, minimize news feeds, like I already mentioned, as well as having social contact with social distancing. So that's, you know, getting on the phone, using FaceTime. If you don't have FaceTime because you don't have an iPhone, use WhatsApp um, video calls. You see people, you see, it can simulate that, uh, that presence, that someone is actually there with you. And um, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so here's another question. What causes mental health disorders? Can anyone, you know, just shout it out or raise your hand, whatever. Uh, what causes mental health disorders? What was that? Stress? Yes. I talked about stress. Yes, that's very true. Mental health disorders can be caused by stress and chronic stress, right? That's what we discussed was chronic stress all the time, feeling worried, stressed out, one thing and the other keeps happening to you. Um, that's that's uh, the biggest thing that we can attribute to causing mental health disorders. But there are some other things. There are some other things that can contribute to it. So stress is an environmental factor that can, um, that can lead us to become mentally unwell. But here are some other things. The first one being uh, your hereditary uh, or family history. So your family history, some people, they have mental, health, mental illness that runs in the family. Just like people have diabetes that runs in the family or you know, heart disease that runs in the family, others have mental illness that runs in their family. Right? And so it, it, it puts them at a higher risk of developing something. And we say that they're, more, they're genetically vulnerable. That's the word that we often use in the, uh, in the medical world. Now, environmental factors are things, like I mentioned, stress. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic that's stressful for everyone. I mean, on different levels, but it's still stressful for all of us, right? Floods, fires, um, you know, uh, earthly disasters, earthquakes, things like that. Trauma that we experience in our own personal and individual lives, that those are environmental factors, environmental stressors that can cause someone who has a vulnerable, uh, that's, that's uh, vulnerable to actually experience uh, these symptoms. So that's what we call the connection um, uh, is nature and nurture. So the connection between nature and nurture is what is described there. Um, other things, like I said, trauma to the brain. Some people get brain injuries, and all of a sudden their personality changes. They're acting weird, acting strange. Um, people who get strokes, people who fall, things like that can also cause, um, can also lead to, to mental uh, unwellness. Medical conditions as well can, can cause it or, or add to it or contribute to it. Uh, like diabetes, like strokes, like I mentioned, uh, heart disease, hypertension, things of that nature. So these are some of the things that, um, you know, in addition to a, to a stress, be it environmental or personal stress we go through, these are some of other things that can lead to uh, being mentally unwell. Okay. So now we'll talk about uh, what exactly is wellness, what exactly is health, okay? So we, can, we can't really talk about being unwell if we don't know what wellness is or you know, being unhealthy if we don't know what healthy is, right? So a state of complete physical, mental, social well-being and not merely an absence of disease. That is what wellness is described as by the um, World Health Organization, okay? So wellness is an active process of becoming aware of and making choices towards your own health and your fulfillment in life. Okay, wellness is more than just being free of illness, like I mentioned before. It's a dynamic process of change and growth. And it matters because maintaining an optimal level of wellness is absolutely crucial to life and living a higher quality life, right? Wellness, um, wellness is what helps us to directly, it, it affects our actions, right, and our emotions. Um, and it's an ongoing cycle. It's an ongoing cycle. So what are the facets of wellness? Okay. 
these are the facets of wellness emotional wellness financial social environmental intellectual spiritual physical and occupational wellness so this pretty much shows you a broad spectrum of what wellness is um, in its entirety and it's important to know that even though we're only talking about emotional wellness or mental wellness today uh, we have to keep in mind that all these areas um, are interchangeable they all affect each other unwellness in one area can oftentimes lead to uh, unwellness in another area um, and lead to overall illness uh, for an individual okay so emotional or mental wellness um, this inspires self-care it inspires relaxation, stress reduction, and the development of inner strength, or what we otherwise called resilience, right? It's important to be attentive to both your positive and negative emotions and your feelings, because that's the only way you'll be able to deal with them, um, if need be. Emotional wellness also includes the ability to learn um, and grow from our experiences. Something bad happens to us, what lesson can I take from this? if it ever happens again, or can I prevent it from happening again? Emotional wellness um, or emotional well-being encourages us to have power or autonomy uh, over our decisions um, and decision-making skills. And it's, also, it's very important for overall wellness. Okay. Um, and that definition in red uh, on the slide is important to keep in mind. So another um, question I have for, for the audience here is what do I do or how can I maintain my mental health and wellness? I'm sure we all have skills. Anybody want to just say <laughs> one of them? Sure, meditation is one, sure. Meditation, thank you. Meditation is an excellent point. Meditation is very important for um, being mindful of what's happening. I talked about your positive and negative emotions. Meditation can be very, very, very important for us. Um, I want to talk about the uh, biological, social, um, psychological, and spiritual model of mental health. It's a picture there. Okay. So you see this diagram here. It has mental health in the center. And these are the factors that feed into it. Biological, this is your physical health. Uh, we talked about genetic vulnerabilities. Um, that's, your, that's the biological sphere. Um, we have the social sphere. That's your schooling, your friends, peers, family relationships, uh, family circumstances, you know, socially. Uh, that's also important. There are people that come from, uh, you know, a divorced family, and that sometimes can be upsetting for people, and um, it can lead to uh, some mental, some aspects of mental, mental unwellness as well. Psychologically, it talks about your uh, your coping skills, trauma you may have had in the past. Your self-esteem is part of your psychological state, and uh, last but not least is your is a spiritual aspect. Now, initially, when this diagram was being used, it was only these first three, but more and more people are realizing that human beings are spiritual beings as well, and it's, so it's important to add this aspect uh, into into things. And a lot of my patients actually they want to focus more on this surprisingly enough. Um, you know, prayer, our beliefs, fellowship with others, uh, meditation, like you mentioned, thank you, um, and worship as well, and, and believing in a higher power uh, can be very comforting for many people. So what is self-care? I'm sure we've heard of self-care before, right? Self-care, um, if you look at Google, it'll bring up a bunch of things, videos, blogs, articles about what self-care is, but none of them really tell you um, what is involved in self-care. Um, so self-care is uh, it's a conscious and intentional activity or habit that you get into, and it's a process of personal advancement, um, including emotional, physical, spiritual, and social growth. And here are some examples um, of self-care and different types of self-care. And you had mentioned meditation here, uh, prayer is under the spiritual work as well, um, time management at work. 
And in relation to that is coping with stress. It's kind of interchangeable with, with, um, with self-care, is learning how to cope with stress. Exercise helps with cardiovascular strengthening. Your heart is strong. Uh, you sleep better when you exercise. It decreases anxiety. Sleep is very important. Getting up to eight hours of sleep for an adult. Um, some of our younger uh, teens and young adults sometimes need a little bit more but getting at least eight hours of sleep is very important um, for us. People who sleep too much, upwards of 10 and 12 hours, it's either because they're depressed or it can trigger um, uh, a depression. Play is also important, right? All work and no play. Yes, makes Jack a tall boy. So play is also important, uh, you know, Adults spend time with the kids, play board games with them, what, what have you. Take them to Disneyland. So, uh, Teens, don't say I didn't do anything for you, the kids. Disneyland, yes. Um, eating well um, is also very important. Uh, you know, try not to eat pound dough every day. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> try and eat other things, vegetables. Broccoli is really good for you and good for your health. Um, all these things help us to maintain um, our wellness and, and uh, cope with stress. Giving is another thing that helps you cope with stress. You know, thinking of something that's outside yourself, right? When we're always thinking about ourselves, me, me, me all the time, um, you know, you don't get to actually appreciate what other people might be going through. Okay. And uh, treatment for mental illnesses, apart from everything that we've discussed, can include uh, medications, okay? Uh, so we use antidepressants, we use anti-anxiety medications, uh, sometimes we use medications to help people sleep because sometimes just treating that problem with sleep can actually improve um, other things. Uh, things that we do um, in our sphere that's not medication uh, are supportive counseling. So giving advice to people, uh, encouraging them, uh, being empathetic with them, validating the problems that they're having. Um, group therapy can also help when you see other people that are going through similar things. It makes you feel a little better that, oh, I'm not alone, right? Um, and those things can, can also be very helpful. Very quickly, I just want to talk about mental health and the Bible. Okay, so the conversation of mental illness and its validity has, uh, it's been controversial from, for a long time, especially amongst people of faith. But um, even though the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us uh, or speak about mental health, um, it's becoming more and more evident even in our congregations. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Pastor wanted this, uh, you know, kind of came up with this initiative, right? We know that one of the consequences of living in a fallen world, right, is that uh, God's good and perfect creation, which is us, our bodies, our minds, uh, can often be corrupted, right? Throughout scripture, we see biblical figures like David, Job. I mean, you saw what Job went through. He lost so much in one day. Um, Elijah, Jonah, all of them dealing with deep feelings of despair, anger, depression, loneliness. Um, and while some of these things we can attribute it to, you know, spiritual warfare, it can also be physical, it can be uh, emotional as well. And it can also kind of lead us to, to, to think that some of these experiences might be related to chemical imbalances um, in, in our brains, right? Um, treatment and care are also topics that sometimes people don't want to talk about. Um, and, uh, you know, the Bible provides insight into that, you know, helping one another, prayer, um, coming together and helping those that are battling uh, their str and struggling with their own minds. Proverbs 12.25 actually says, and I was surprised when I discovered this in the Bible, it says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but um, a good word makes it glad. And um, I'm sure both of my guests here know that anxiety and depression are often come together. And usually it's the anxiety always, always being there that then leads to depression. So you see that evidence in the, in the Bible as well. <clears throat> Lastly, there are numerous accounts of spirituality and physical and the physical coming together and being connected, um, such as the, the story of the legion in the New Testament, right? But from all these examples, we know that we have hope in the midst of mental suffering um, and that the Lord knows, he hears us, and that he can heal. 
So just um, for all of us here, mental illness can affect any of us. Uh, you know, the pastor, the choir member, choir leader, youth leader, it can affect anyone. Um, and it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to keep hidden. The church should be a safe place for people, a place that lacks judgment. I've often hear people say, if you want judgment on earth, just go to church, right? And that's, that's a terrible thing um, to have attributed to, to us. Um, so we, we need to work better at um, reducing the stigma and reducing people being fearful of talking about some of these things. Um, we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't hesitate, you know, in the house of God and with people uh, who are in the body of Christ to come uh, and, and share our our stories, our troubles, and look for and look for a solution. So please, if you know anybody that's going through uh, any of these things that we've discussed, please pray for them and encourage them um, to see a professional if they need it. Okay. And lastly, I have some resources here for us uh, for information. Uh, I actually discovered this when I was preparing my slides. It's called Sanctuary Mental Health. It's actually uh, a Christian organization, um, and they have, uh, they have programs that you can partake in um, that teaches you about mental health, how can you deal with mental health, what does the Bible say about, about mental health and mental illness, um, and it's, I found it to be actually very good. The World Health Organization um, on their website has lots of information on mental wellness, mental illness, and things of that nature. The Saskatchewan Health Authority also has a lot of information on their website, uh, more specific to Regina and uh, things that we, um, me and my, my guests deal with, uh, the COAST team, is also available um, and their number is there and they are a community outreach um, team that come uh, that you can talk to you can call you don't need to pay or anything like that crisis team as well if you feel like you're going through a severe crisis crisis in mental health or mental illness mainly is feeling uh, like you want to harm yourself and things like that you can always call them um, as well and there's also the um, uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline as well. I forgot to put that on here. Uh, for free counseling, you can access that through Regina Family Services, uh, and their number is there as well, as well as the Caring Place. Um, and for those who would prefer something more virtual, uh, especially now during the pandemic, there is the online uh, therapy unit. And I have cards uh, for this outside on, this, on the little table just outside the auditorium. Uh, their uh, phone number is here and the, um, the website as well. You're assigned um, a counselor of, of your own and they do email you every week uh, and I believe they have a six or eight week uh, program. And that brings me to the end. Thank you so much for <laughs> paying attention. It was a long presentation. Um, and uh, now I'm going to uh, bring up our guests, and I'm going to do a quick introduction of uh, both Dr. Shoyemi and uh, Dr. Pirawell. Um, so I will introduce Dr. Pirawell first, uh, ladies first, right? You're okay with that? <laughs> okay. So Dr. Serena Pirawell was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta. After completing high school, uh, she attended a six-year medical school program in Europe at the University of Pax in Hungary. Uh, after graduating medical school, she returned to Canada and completed residency in psychiatry here in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, through the University of Saskatchewan program. Uh, she started her psychiatry practice in Regina in August of 2018 and currently works at the 12th Avenue Clinic. Uh, her practice includes assessment and management of general adult psychiatric conditions and uh, perinatal mental health. That that means uh, pregnancy, perinatal, anything that has to do with pregnancy. Um, she also teaches medical students and psychiatric residents throughout the year at her clinic, as well as the Regina General Hospital. Can we have a round of applause for her as she comes up? Yeah, anyone, it doesn't matter. You can have a seat. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Dakwa Shoyemi uh, is also here. He completed his undergraduate medical training in Nigeria and then a postgraduate studies, uh, did his postgraduate studies in Ireland uh, in the UK. Um, he 
he's, he completed and uh, became a member, uh, membership certification with the Royal College of, Schi of Psychiatrists uh, in the UK. Uh, he's been working here in Canada since uh, 2014 as a child psychiatrist um, with SHA. He provides care uh, for inpatient and outpatient um, as well as emergency and consultant liaison services for kids and adolescents under the age of 18 here in Regina um, and Southern Saskatchewan. He's an assistant professor of the University of Saskatchewan and completed his fellowship certification um, in 2015. He's also a loving husband and father of three. So we'll bring uh, Dr. Shoyemi up as well. And so we will go now into the uh, question and answer uh, portion um, of today. Uh, I don't know, Pastor IT, if we have some questions already. Okay, so um, I will allow you to please read those out to us. Thank you very much for the excellent presentation, <laughs> Dr. <you>. Abova. <laughs> um, so the questions that uh, that have come in so far. Um, one question from, a, from an individual says, uh, my question is about deja vu. I used to have, or I've, I, I have deja vu a lot. I could have a, I could have a replay experience of a while, um, of a day that I can practically predict what would happen next. At some and then sometimes when the memory maps with reality, I get some excruciating mental pains that I had to, that I have to begin to pray against this experience that I once thought was a blessing or gift. Is this a medical or a spiritual condition? If medical, how can I explain it and treat the associated mental pains? Wow, that, that's a deep question. Thank you to whoever sent that in, that's deep. Uh, does anyone want to tackle this one? Dr. Shami? Is this an adult? Yes, I think okay, so. Okay, that excludes me. I th <laughs> <laughs> Passing off the bar. <laughs> I, I, I can, but... I, I think uh, it is an adult. I think so. Okay. Um, for some of these questions, you know, we, even though we're, we're, we're professionals, um, we may not have all the answers, but we will do our very best to try. Dr. Pearl, did you want to try I, this question, I, or I, I can, can do it? I can try and give some yeah. insight. Well, okay. um, well, good morning, church, and uh, it's nice to be here. Thanks to the leadership and to Dr. Aboba for having <laughs> us here. Um, very complicated question, I would say. Uh, the ex I would look at this from, through the lens of, of, of children and my experience working with children. It does exist in children as well. Uh, deja vu itself is a feeling of familiarity that you've experienced something before and um, there are kind of two conditions that I can relate that to, uh, two experiences. One is called derealization and one, the other is called depersonalization. Uh, derealization is a feeling of deja vu particularly. Uh, it's the sense of something, uh, there's a feeling of uh, something, uh, the situation feels unreal to you. Um, and depersonalization is a situation where the person feels unreal in relation to themselves. And this can occur in a variety of mental health situations. Anxiety is one of them. Trauma is another one. And if you think about it, uh, the trauma, the situation with trauma is, and with deja vu or derealization can be that, you know, if you think about the body, it always seeks to protect. So it senses danger, it wants to protect. So if you think about someone who is experiencing being removed or deja vu or being removed from a situation that feels threatening, in the context of trauma, through that viewpoint. So for example, something traumatic has happened in the past and you know, somehow the mind is playing it again and again, and it's threatening. So the body may go into a state where it removes itself, as if you're not experiencing that. That's what you call derealization. Oh, sorry, depersonalization. Or it may remove, it may give you a sense that you're not in that place. So that's called 
derealization. So it may be explained in the context of trauma. It may be explained in the context of anxiety. And again, if you think about anxiety, anxiety is a threatening situation. So this body is in a state of threat and heightened awareness. Um, and so um, um, all this may explain why this person may, may be expressing that. Um, is it spiritual? Is it medical? Um, certainly not one thing would answer those questions. Yeah. And if you looked at Dr. Abwaba's uh, diagram around the many facets of illness, so biological, psychological, spiritual, and what was the last one? Yeah. Social. And social, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, you would see that the spirituality can play a part, but there may be other parts as well. So if you're not sure, why don't you talk to your doctor and, um, and see what, what you know, the, your doctor would evaluate, ask questions, and see whether there's an underlying illness. And uh, that may open up more avenues for exploring what's going on with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank sir. you, Dr. Shami. And I just want to add quickly to that um, is that many things that we have as spiritual gifts, right? Like I mentioned, God giving us um, a good and perfect gifts, being ourselves, our minds, that, that's, that also can include our spiritual gifts. Keep in mind that the enemy sometimes can take those things and turn them around. Right. So again, just to add to your point that it can be it can be a number of things, but also it could be that as well. And any illness to the brain? can cause certain types of, you know, perceptual changes as well. Um, but another, another way to get, like, help for that is to see a psychologist um, and talk to them about what you're experiencing so that they can go more deep into where it's coming from, right, and the cause. So, yeah. Thank you very much for those answers. Very insightful. Um, there's another individual that has asked um, a couple of questions. I'll ask the first one. It seems like a quick one, but we never know. <laughs> okay. And it says, uh, would you say breaking out on the skin is a sign of stress for some people? Go ahead. Yeah. So anxiety can cause a lot of changes to the brain. Not only like physical symptoms like headaches, dizziness, or, you know, like the panic-like symptoms, but it can cause breakouts to the skin. Um, it can cause rashes, changes to the body in that way, um, visual changes. So, but, but just don't, like, make sure you're also ruling out whether there's any kind of medical Medicals. thing going on as well <laughs> yeah. um, before you just say that it's all mental health related. Yeah. And the hormones are always changing in the body, yes. right? So depending on which, like your age group and um, you know, what state you are in your life, um, hormones play a big role in that as well. Okay, so there's a, there's a theme that I'm hearing so far of don't rule out, I mean, explore everything. Don't yes. associate it to just one, one thing necessary, but it can be, okay. The second question this person asked was, how would or can I fix my sleeping schedule? I sleep really late because I don't know how to go to bed early and sometimes find it hard to sleep. Oh, that's a good one. I actually have information on um, sleep hygiene outside the door. I don't know if that person is here or they're online. Uh, I mean, yeah, watching online. But sleep hygiene is one of the best ways to fix your sleep. Uh, and it, uh, if you even Google sleep hygiene, you'll have things that come up uh, and, and they will give you tips on that. And some things include setting a schedule. So telling yourself, I'm gonna sleep the same time every day, I'm gonna wake up the same time every day, um, not watching screens at night, because that can actually make changes in the brain and keep you up. Um, what else is sleep hygiene? Yeah, I mean, that. That talks yeah. quite a lot about um, sleep hygiene. It's the same thing in kids as well. You know, it's very interesting how the same emphasis that you have in adults is the same that you have in kids as well. So you don't want them watching screens at night or, or chatting online at night because these are things that will stimulate you. Activating. Another one is, you know, using stimulants close to bedtime, like people who drink coffee, for example, mm. or who start engaging in stimulating activities close to bedtime then or you you know you want to have a very heated uh, conversation with your partner close to bedtime 
hey, guess what? You're not going to sleep. Um, so uh, just being mindful of, of some of those lifestyle things that can, yes. can impact on your sleep. And, and one of the most important things is waking up at the same time every day. Go to bed whenever, but waking up at the same, same time every day has shown to be the mo strongest evidence in managing your sleep. Um, and go to bed when you're actually sleepy. Mm -hmm. Don't go to bed because it's bedtime, because otherwise you'll just be tossing and turning and thinking and worrying, and that's not going to help. So go to bed when you're actually sleepy, and if it's at 3 a.m., that's when you go to bed. But wake up at the same time every day. That's the most important thing. Hmm. Thank you very much for all of that. <laughs> that's, that's really... <laughs> I think it's, it's, it sounds simple when you say it fast. <laughs> but thank you very much for that. Um, I have another question here. Uh, another... Well, <laughs> now there are questions rolling in. I, I'm going to just do a quick time check with the pastor to just see how... <laughs> How many minutes? Okay, okay. So we have um, about 15-ish minutes left. Um, okay. Uh, um, there's another question here uh, that says, uh, just give me a second here. Uh, sometimes you want to talk about it and you fear others just might not understand what you're going through. And let's be honest, even sometimes the free mental health resources that we have access to might not completely understand, especially if they come from a different cultural background than you do. In that case, what sort of resources could you advise to someone who um, would like to express themselves and talk to others, but they just don't think anybody else will be able to understand what they're going through? That's deep. Yeah. And it's a common, it's a common problem um, nowadays. Um, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough question. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, well, like begets like, so to speak. So I have, um, in my practice, not too many people of African descent present. And I can understand that. But the ones that do, I'm particularly mindful of, of, of them, of their welfare, uh, not because I'm being partial or anything, but because I understand their cultural issues that might even have gotten them to that point. For them to even come to the, you know, raise up their hands and say, I have a problem, you know, it's probably that the issues have gone quite a bit. Um, of, well, I think in, in Regina, we're kind of fortunate that there's quite a representation of um, immigrant physicians in, in, in the city that you can, you can reach out to if this is what they feel that they need to, even including family physicians. There's quite, quite a number of them that you can talk to. And the good thing is about, you know, you are assured of the confidentiality of your conversation, because that's just what we're bound by. Um, families and friends can play a part too, and that they can steer that conversation around mm -hmm. getting more help as well, yeah. especially if you have very close supporting family. Yes. Um, but I'm hoping that people can reach out and get help and not feel ashamed or afraid. Um, I'd say that there's nothing harmful in trying. You know, the worst can't be as worse as where you are doing nothing. I think the worst is doing nothing, really. Uh, at least if you've done something, you know you've tried to do something, rather than, uh, rather than uh, I just assume that nothing is going to work and then do nothing. Um, hopefully that helps. Yeah, and I think just um, you can request, uh, you know, if, if it's a psychologist, for example, or a social worker doing counseling, or oh, could I have someone 
that maybe has an ethnic background who may be able to understand me more. So advocating for yourself and saying this, these are my needs. If, if you can offer this uh, to me, please, this is, what, this is what I would like. And sometimes even you know, when, you're, when we're talking about human beings, sometimes it's not everybody that you're gonna jive with, even when you're the one looking for help. So sometimes it takes a couple of tries to find the right therapist, to find the right doctor, things of that nature. Yeah, and I think a lot of patients, they don't, like that's a common feeling that others won't understand despite cultural differences. Mm. So I think just giving the person like that, you know, chance to understand you and you can explain it to them as well, yes. right? So, and then there's a lot of like physicians, like we've all, like I'm not from the same, you know, culture, yeah, but I have yes. friends and yeah. experiences that I've been through that give me an, a better understanding of each individual. So I think exactly. it's a common feeling for a lot of, a lot of people that others won't understand them, but you have to give it a chance and yeah. explain to them so that they can have a better understanding of that culture yeah. to help other people. And just one last thing there, you know, one perspective can make all the difference, you know, yes. just having a chance to talk it out and hear somebody else's perspective, a professional uh, perspective, can make all the difference. Yes. So just giving it a chance. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, um, that nudge to, to actually take a, take a try and, and, and open up. Um, there's so many questions that, that have been coming in that we won't have time to take. Wow. And we'll have to find some way to loop back. There must be one child question. There actually is some... Uh, child-related questions as well. I, I'm just trying to think of the best way to give a variety of questions um, as well. So maybe I'll ask this one. Um, the, the child question is that, that I, I see here is related to, to um, sleep as well, which we've talked about. Um, and, and the person says, how successful is sleep hygiene for a mother well, actually, maybe this isn't a child-related question. This is for the mother. <laughs> How successful is sleep hygiene for a mother of two to toddler boys? So I think it's more that's, about the that's mother. That's Dr. <laughs> <laughs> is this working? Yeah. Yes, yes. So sleep hygiene is the most important form of treatment. Um, you can see a psychologist to do a specific type of therapy called CBTI. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. Yeah. Um, and that would be like a, a beneficial because they will teach you exactly what you need to do and how to train yourself. Um, with kids, it's tough. Yes. They're going to wake up at middle of the night. Moms usually don't want anything strong, like a medication to knock them out. So melatonin is an option, uh, which you take an hour to two hours before bedtime, which can help um, sleep as well. Um, but and that's over the counter. Yeah. You don't need a prescription for melatonin. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you know, your partner's support or having a family member that can possibly wake up during the night instead of you or taking shifts um, would be a good, good option as well because then you can get at least some sleep throughout the week. Yes. <laughs> right? Thank you very much for that. I will ask two more questions that are a little different from the from the questions that we've been seeing so far. Um, one of them says, um, how can one deal with chronic stress mixed with anger? And you find it difficult to move on and even extricate to yourself from the situation. What are the likely strategies that can help? Wow. Um, I think for that, if you're not able to get away from uh, a chronic, not being able to get away from a chronic situation, right? So, so the person is saying having chronic stress, that's mm -hmm. also mixed with anger. And then yes. when they're in a heated situation, they yes. find it hard to remove themselves from the situation. And yeah. yes, so I think it's the chronic stress that's likely leading to the anger. And like I discussed before, when you're chronically stressed, can lead to anxiety. Anxiety can look like anger. Um, and uh, and I, I think it's the chronic stress that's causing causing the anger. Um, if you're having troubles with chronic anger from chronic stress, um, I think it's important that you talk to someone. I think, you know, even sitting down with a psychologist and just telling them how you feel will help with some of these, with, will help with 
some of these things. Not only will it validate you and validate the things that you're going through, that just having someone listen to you sometimes just makes you feel better. You may be having these chronic stressors and there's no one that you can really talk to that you feel will understand. But just sitting with someone who can validate some of these concerns and some of these stressors can actually make you feel better. In terms of actual practical strategies, I think when you feel that, you know, kind of anger coming on, I think physically removing yourself from the situation would be the best thing. So you don't end up, you know, hitting someone in the face and everything escalates and they're calling the police. Um, I think physically removing yourself from any situation that you feel you might escalate without control um, is is the biggest thing I would think of. And the other thing is everybody needs an outlet. So find your outlet. Mm -hmm. Exercise. Go for a run. Punching bag. Yes. Whatever you need to take (laughs) out that anger, but do it in a healthier way. way, Yes. Before it gets to that point. I suspect that there's a story behind behind this this presentation and that um, the stress, the anger, perhaps relates to lots of life events and that this person may be going through that now everything seems to be entangled in one another. I'm stressed because of this angry situation that has just gone on for so long. Those are real everyday issues, right? Um, uh, who, who do you, t- so if this is the case, how, how, do you, uh, how do you manage the situation that is causing all of this? Is it that you have to go talk to someone like Dr. Ababa was saying? Is it that you have to look for ways to self-care or self-soothe or manage whatever is going on with you. Yes. There are outlets for therapy. Some of them are actually free that um, can give some advice or some insights as to some of the directions you can take to start managing that situation if indeed it's causing distress. Um, if it's affecting your mental health, then we come back to the psychiatry need to be involved. Mm-hmm. Do you need help with medications or, mm-hmm. or whatever? So I think there's a some avenues that that person can explore to try and look at what's going on, managing it. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) There was another question that I was going to ask and then a child question came in that is particularly relevant, so I will ask that. Um, The child question is, uh, could could you shed a bit more light um, on ADH? I'm assuming it's ADHD. ADHD, You have two hours. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll try my best. Um, uh, first of all, ADHD is common. Um, it's common. It's common not just in Western world. It's common across the world. Um, the rate at which it occurs across populations seems to be about the same across all populations. It's very interesting because I didn't see it when I was growing up. I just saw the pancare and the cane and all the things. You know, <laughs> so it, it probably is more common than what we realize. Um, again, I don't see too many of our kids and kin presenting. There are some of them. It's very evident, but it's common. So first thing, it's, it's very, very common. Perhaps the commonest childhood mental health disorder. The second thing is that it's what we call neurodevelopmental. Neurodevelopmental means you were born with it. So it's not a case of the kid is lazy, it was kid's fault, or you know, it's uh, not the kid trying to put you to shame, or that the kids just uh, will not listen. Um, there was this uh, video that probably a lot of you might have come across. Um, uh, 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 mommy, calm down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now again, this is I'm, I'm not suggesting this kid has anything, but uh-huh. listening to that guy's story and the mom telling how this kid is always rambunctious, won't sit down in one place, always running about, will listen, describe some of the symptoms of ADHD. Now, so which brings me to the third thing. Uh, the third thing, uh, the symptoms are in clusters of, you know, won't listen runs around and plays when it is inappropriate, that the ones jumping around, if you take them to the store, some of them you have to put them on a leash because they're just bouncing all over the place. Um, They're the ones who are impulsive. They will do things before they think about the consequences. And it doesn't matter that you've told them many times over 
they keep repeating the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're not learning from, from their mistakes. Um, so those are one cluster of symptoms. Another cluster of symptoms is the kid who is just inattentive. They, don't, they forget things easily, so mommy will call them and give them three things or five things to do. And before they reach the second one, they've distracted themselves and gone to do something else. And their mom brings out the quackere, you will not listen. You will not listen. <laughs> so, um, and if you think about this going into school, the kid who struggles to pay attention is going to be distracted. Yes. Is um, not going to learn. Yes. And if they don't learn, then they have homework. If they don't learn, how can they do the homework? Then they put the homework aside and they procrastinate. Now, if this carries on into, um, if this carries on into, into secondary school or high school as we call it here, then you can see that the problems just start to mount and mount and then they fall behind more and more. Um, and then it causes way other problems as well. Uh, good news is that it's treatable. Um, the other thing is that if I find a kid who's got ADHD, um, almost always there's a family member. Mm -hmm. So it might be dad, <laughs> it might be mom, most likely it's dad. Dad, yes. Um, um, and if you look at the history, dad might have had tons of problems growing up as well, one job to the other, not completing things, have things done, road accidents, just, uh, careless driving, all kinds of things. So um, I can go on and on, but last thing I want to say is that it's neurodevelopmental. If you remember Dr. Abuaba and her quiz, she talked about some brain chemicals. Can you remember any one of them? Yes. Serotonin, oh, yeah, yes. anyone? Dopamine, Dopamine, anyone? Yeah. Smart so crowd. <laughs> it's interesting that in ADHD, the two deficient chemicals are dopamine and norepinephrine. Yes. So again, this is where we see um, how brain plays a matter, but environment too plays a matter as well, because maybe some of us, us, <laughs> did well because the environment nurtured us, irrespective of the difficulties that we, we had. had yes. um, it may be different in this environment, of course you can't go about striking kids and all, that's just not acceptable. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm gonna stop there. Um, so, just, you know. so I see a lot of adult ADHD as well, and so there's a few sites that you know, parents can go on. There's one called CADRA, C-A-D-D-R-A, and there's a newer one called CADAC, C-A-D-D-A-C. And there's like different types of scheduling information, ways to like what kind of strategies kids can use to help with the ADHD symptoms. Thank you very much. Um, yes. A question has been popping up here uh, since we started. Is codependency a mental issue? Hmm. And how do we overcome that? That's an excellent question. It is, it is a psychological condition. Codependency is a psychological uh, condition. I think trauma can lead to codependency. Um, uh, you know, you've gone through a severe trauma in your life, and now you no longer have, you know, your, your, you just don't have confidence anymore in yourself because of this trauma, this, this severe thing that has happened to you. So now you depend on everybody else to help you with, with one thing or the other. Um, you know, you get so scared to make decisions. Other people make decisions for you, right? You can speak more to like that. And like early childhood experiences. So like given lack of responsibility and, you know, if you have a parent like who's doing a lot of your making your a lot of, like a lot of choices for you or um, it just depends on different experiences that you would go through that can cause dependency on others. Yes, but it um, is, it's a psychological yep. issue. And it's sure. a personality trait that it, yes, people that's can true. develop um, and it can lead to a lot of problems yes. um, later yes. on in relationships and, um, and functioning in general. 
Yeah, a codependent person won't be able to recognize when someone is being ill-mannered towards them. You know, if you're now, you know, you they often go and you, they, they marry men who are very abusive and will beat and hit and things, things of that nature, further perpetuating the trauma they may have had in the past as well. So yes, it is a psychological um, uh, problem. And a lot of times it's because of, you know, either someone's past experiences or how they actually grew up. So how do we solve it? <sighs> <laughs> psychotherapy okay. intense psychotherapy yes okay. a lot of psychotherapy is involved in that that question would be how do you improve someone's self-esteem to say this is my worth yes and my worth is not um, tied to anyone yeah mm -hmm. I can associate with people I can take um, experiences from others I can take advice but how do you say to the person that um, my life is not based on everything and anything that this other person says or tells me to do. So you can imagine that that's going to take a while to yes. change some of those behaviors. Yes. And you're looking at therapy quite some, for some time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Can we put our hands <laughs> together? Let's, let's just appreciate them. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much.